All right, kids, where are you guys at this morning? Raise your hands. All righty. So my first question is, I need to know if any of you have ever had your parents say something like, if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, now put your hands down. Now I need to know, are there any of you who ever didn't do the thing? All right. Olivia, what was it? You can't remember? What do you got, Rainy? Yeah. All right, so can somebody give me a specific example? Like your mom or dad said, like, maybe like, if you don't clean your room, you're going to be in trouble. Who had that happen? Okay, and then you didn't clean your room, and then you, you got in trouble? Okay, so put your hands down. How many of you are still in trouble? But that doesn't make sense to me. Your parents said if you don't clean your room, you would be in trouble. You're, you're, not, you're telling me you're not in trouble anymore? Your parents, like, love you? Is that what you're telling me? They love you. That's, that's good, right? The reason why I'm asking these questions is because what we see in our passage today is that God is, is upset with his people because they've disobeyed. And he says, if you do these things, you're going you're gonna to get punished. I'm, I'm gonna, he's going he's gonna to judge them. He's going to pour out punishment on them. But what we also get in our passage is that even though they, they do disobey, and even though he does pour out punishment, that God still gives them grace. In the same way that your parents continue to love you, even though you didn't clean your room that one time, God continues to give grace to his people even after pouring out punishment on them. This, this passage, even though the people do the wrong thing, even though they, they don't return to God like he tells them to, he still is going to give them grace in the future. He's still going to love them and be in a relationship with them in the future. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and ask your parents about what they learned about the grace and faithfulness of God from this passage. Parents, go home and and, and preach the good news to your kids, uh, both about the kind of parent you are and more importantly, about the kind of God uh, our Father is. So let's, let's pray together and then we'll get into Hosea 6 and 7 this morning. Father, we thank you that you... You are a perfect father. And that even though your, your children disobey, even though we, we reject you and, and, and do what we want at times instead of what you want, that you're still our father. You still invite us back into relationship with yourself. You still remain faithful to us even when we're unfaithful to you. We pray that you would, you would use this passage today that, that you inspired to be written down for, for our good and our benefit to, to encourage us, to challenge us, to, to shape us, to, to stir our affections uh, for you and, and what you've done for us. That, that your spirit would move in us through your word um, to, to, to draw us back to you. To help us focus more on, on what you have for us rather than, than what we want for ourselves. 
Jesus, we thank you for, for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, this week is, is probably one of the most stressful weeks uh, that I've had as a, as a pastor at BC. Uh, just with, with, with all the building stuff, uh, and, and not like the details of like whether we paint the room this color or whether we paint the room that color, but just the, the, the conflict that we've had about, about decisions. And uh, not in like a, we're going to split the church over carpet color. You know, I think that like several months ago, if you would have said like, oh, we're going to be arguing about these things, we would have said like, we're, we're not going to be like that. And, and we're, we're not going to be like that. But to see people that I, that I care about uh, like disagree and to disagree with people that I care about is, is not fun. And so it's been like, how, how, how can we, how can we do this and, and love each other? Well, how can we have the, the culture that we want to have through, through this process? And, and I think that it's, it's, it's mostly been, been going well, even though it's hard, but it's been stressful. And then I come to God's word to study, to preach, to, to look for good news. And it's Hosea six and seven. Which, which is good news, but, you know, I just wanted, I wanted a little more good news than, like, I'm going to punish you for this. Uh, and so that's the, the sermon application this week is if we don't stop arguing about the building, it's going to fall down. <laughs> Not really. Um, but, no, I think, like, even, even in the midst of a stressful week uh, of shepherding, like, it, it only makes me love all of you more which only makes it more stressful because I love you more and we're disagreeing more. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, that we get to go through this together and that we care about our church body, not our church building, but our church body enough that these things matter. Uh, and so in our passage today, what we're going to get is, is, is good news in the midst of bad news. Last week in in Daniel's passage, the Lord kind of calls out Israel's sin and announces coming punishment. Israel had been unfaithful. They they broke in the covenant. They rebel against God. They they reject his rule over them, and they they keep doing it. So punishment is going to come. And this week, what we get is we get a, a call to repentance where God once again calls them back, and then we get their response to it. Spoiler, they respond poorly. Right? It would be great if they responded differently, but, but they don't. So we'll, we'll start with the call to repentance, and we'll kind of work through the passage a chunk at a time. So Hosea 6, 1 through 3. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. So even after all of their sin, like everything we've, we've heard about up to this point in Hosea 1 through 5, which, which is a lot, right? The people are in a very bad situation. Even, even after all this, God comes to them again and calls them back to himself. He, he invites them back into relationship with himself. He wants to, to bring them out of the life that they're in. He says he's going to heal them. He's going to bind them up. He's going to restore them and give them life again. 
He's going to renew them so that they, they flourish as his people. He, he wants them to, to be who he has called them to be. And so he's inviting them back. He, he's promising to, to graciously receive them and revive them. And notice that there's that reference to on the third day, he's going he's to raise them up. He's going to give them life after three days. Like this, this doesn't come true for Israel. They don't respond to this call to repentance. But we know that later there is one who's going to rise up after three days to, to give life to his people again. But God calls them back. They, they don't listen. And that's, that's what we get in the rest of the passage. We get their response to this, this call to repentance. So Hosea 4, or 6, 4 through 6, he says, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? So this is the, the northern kingdom. What shall I do with you, Judah? This is the southern kingdom. Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So he's saying that the love that they have for him is, is not lasting. It's like the, the dew in the morning that just, just goes away quickly. So God is kind of calling them out because he wants people to know him and love him, but they just kind of have this, this fake outward adherence to the law. They're, they're pretending in their relationship with him. And once it, it gets pressed on, it's, it's not real. So look at what he says next. He says, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt falsely, faithlessly with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers, tracked with blood. As robbers lie in wait for a man, so the priests band together. They murder on the way to Shechem. They commit villainy. In the house of Israel I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim's whoredom is there. Israel is defiled. For you also, O Judah, a harvest is appointed. So like Adam, the, the people are just simply doing what they think is right. They don't, they don't care about what God has said. They're going to do their own thing. They're, they're dealing faithlessly with the Lord. Their cities are full of wickedness. They've defiled themselves. And because of this, God said judgment is going to come on both Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. What we see next is that even, even though we're at this point, right? He's called them to repent. They don't repent. He announces more judgment. Even at this point, he still wants to restore them. He says, when I restore the fortunes of my people, when I would heal Israel, the iniquity of Ephraim is revealed and the evil deeds of Samaria, for they deal falsely. The thief breaks in and the bandits raid outside, but they do not consider that I remember all their evil. Now their deeds surround them. They are before my face. By their evil, they make the king glad and the princes by their treachery. They are all adulterers. They are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. On the day of our king, the princes become sick with the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand with mockers, for with hearts like an oven, they approach their intrigue. All night, their anger smolders. In the morning, it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are as hot as an oven, and they devour their rulers. All their kings have fallen, and none of them calls upon me. So God would, he, he, he wants to, he desires to, to restore them and heal them, but they choose their sin instead. They think they can get away with it, but, but God knows. He, he, he remembers their deeds. Uh, he says that they're, they're before his face. Like he's, he's seen what's taking place. Also notice from verse, verse 3 here in chapter 7 that the leaders are, are pleased by their sin. These are the people that should have been guiding the people spiritually, but instead they're, they're kind of encouraging this rebellion and rejection of God. They, they should have been calling them to repent, calling them back to the Lord, uh, reminding them of who they are as God's people, but instead they, they take pleasure. They, they revel in the people's wickedness. 
Hosea says that they burn with passion like a hot oven. Right? This, is, this is an oven that's been, been preheated for a long time, enough for the, 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 the dough to leaven. So like overnight, this oven is just, just heating up. It's getting hotter and hotter. It grows, it spreads. It says their anger smolders, and in the morning, it, it, it blazes. So these, these leaders are, are burning uh, together with, with anger. They, they devour one another with the result that like the kings have fallen and none of them uh, call upon the Lord. So the leaders are the ones that should have been guiding the people, caring for the people, but instead they're just kind of participating in it and even, even inflaming it. And then this next chunk, the end of chapter 7, what he's going to do is he's going to give us three, three pictures of who the people are. So he's, he's uh, denounced the leaders. Now he's going to talk about the, who the people are as a result of this bad leadership. So we get three, three metaphors for, for Ephraim, which is the northern kingdom of Israel. He says, Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength, and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him, and he knows it not. The pride of Israel testifies to his face, yet they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim is like a dove, silly and without sense, calling to Egypt, going to Assyria. As they go, I will spread over them my net. I will bring them down like birds of the heavens. I will discipline them according to the report made to their congregation. Woe to them, for they have strayed from me. Destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. They do not cry to me from the heart, but they wail upon their beds. For grain and wine they gash themselves. They rebel against me. Although I trained and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not upward. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. So we get three pictures here. First, they're, they're a cake that's not turned. And so like, remember that he just described the leadership as this, this really hot oven. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know much about, about cakes. You know, I can make a cake from a box like, like anybody. But uh, I know that with pizza, which is like a better cake, uh, if you have a really hot oven and you stick a pizza in it and then you don't turn the pizza, one half of that pizza is going to be black. It's going to burn. And Jose here is saying that that's, that's what the people are like. They're, they're in this environment that the leaders have created, and they're not being cared for. The result is that harm is, is done to them. Right? They, 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 the people are, are still held accountable. Right? They, they should have known. They should have recognized their own sinfulness. They should have returned to the Lord on their own. But they're in this environment which is bad for them, which is harmful for them. Uh, and so instead of, instead of this, because of the place they're in, because they're this cake that's not turned, they're also like a dove. They're, they're, they're silly, and they don't have any sense. It says they call to Egypt, they fly to Assyria. Instead of returning to the Lord, instead of going to the one that, that would have helped them, they go seek help in Egypt. They go seek help in Assyria. They're, they're trying to figure out how to avoid this judgment that's coming. So the Lord says he's going to catch them in their, his net, right? They're kind of flitting around, and he's going to ensnare them. Uh, and he's going to discipline them for running away from him and rebelling against him. He wants to redeem them, but they tell lies about him to themselves and to others. Uh, it says that they, they cry out on their beds, but not for him. They want, want food and drink instead of him. Uh, they're, they're, they're taking his gifts but not entering into relationship with him. He, he gives them strength, and they use it against him. It says they return, but not upward. 
right? So they're, they're worshiping idols instead of the Lord. Uh, they're like a treacherous bow. This is the, the third picture, right? It's, it's something that, that should be a, a thing of strength, but instead it's, it, it doesn't function properly. It doesn't work right. It, it either misses the target or hits the wrong one. Like this is, this is who they are. They're in this situation that has been created by the leaders. Uh, it's, it's harmful to them. Because of that, they're, they're seeking help in all the wrong places, and, and they're not functioning like they should as God's people. This is what's happening in the book of Hosea, right? God has, has, has called out his people. He's addressed their sin. He's given them this picture of who they are as people. That they've been unfaithful, but he wants to redeem them. He wants to bring them back. Uh, even after he's announced coming judgment, he calls them to repent again, and, and they, they continue in their rejection of him and their rebellion against him. They, they don't return to the Lord, and so punishment is going to fall, and we're going to hear more about that as we continue to move through Hosea. But in but in this passage, what we need to see is that God calls them to repent. He, he invites them back into relationship with himself. Despite their, their rebellion, despite their rejection, despite this, this situation that they've created for themselves, he promises to heal them. He promises to bind up their wombs, to, to give them life again if they'll return and repent. But they don't do that. They, they choose idols instead. They choose sin instead. The, the leaders and the people both continue in their rebellion. They, they keep running away from the Lord. But we see God's grace and his faithfulness in that this isn't the end of the story. Right? If God was like us, the Old Testament would read very differently. Right, because, because all of us have a limit. Right? We're like Peter who comes to Jesus and says, how many times must I forgive my brother? And, and you better believe when Peter walks away from that question, he's like, all right, 490 times. Then I'm done. Right? We, we all have a limit. And so as we see this cycle of God's people in the Old Testament, as he, he calls them back to himself, they return, they, they do things okay for a while before they fall short, they end up in sin, he calls them back, he pours out judgment. There's this, this cycle that happens over and over and over and over again. And, and all of us, at some point in the storyline of the Old Testament, if we were in charge, we would have said, all right, it's enough. Now it's for real I'm done with you. But God never does that. Right? Even, even after this, he brings the people back. Even in this announcement of judgment, even in this call to repentance that, that he's, he knows they're not going to receive, he's talking about the reality that Jesus is going to come and, and rise up after three days and bring them back. Right? Grace keeps getting poured out on the people. God continues to remain faithful to them, even though they're faithless to him. And so this passage is, is good news, even though it's bad news. Because it's not the end of the story. Right? We, don't, we don't have to, to live in, to sit in the bad news. We get the good news that Jesus has come. Judgment is, is, is going to fall on these people. 
But restoration is going to come too. They're, they're going to get brought back into the land. He's going to, to send his redeemer to bring them back. There's still hope of resurrection for them. And so for us, even though like Adam and like Israel, we, we break the covenant. We, we break our relationship with God through, through the choices that we make. The good news is that he remains faithful to us. He continues to invite us back, to, to welcome us back into relationship with us. He continues to, to heal and bind us up when we break ourselves. He raises us up so that we can live before him. And so as we continue to go through the minor prophets, we're going to hear a, a whole lot of passages like this, where it seems like it's all bad news. And what we need to remember as his people is that that's our story too. There are points of our lives, there are points of our days where, where it, it, it seems like bad news. But the reality is that God is still there. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still, he's still making us less like who we were before he saved us and more like who he desires us to be. He's still drawing us deeper and closer into relationship with Jesus. And the good news is that we don't, we don't do that on our own. We get to, to press in together into to growing more and more like who God wants us to be and less like who we were before. We get to be reminded together through God's word, even, even not fun passages about the grace that God continues to give us as his people through the songs that we sing, through the Lord's Supper, through, through our lives together as a church. Like our goal is just to be continually reminding each other of what God has done for us. So that's what, what motivates us. That's what, that's what spurs us on towards obedience together. Not, not so that we can earn something from him. Not so that we can avoid some sort of impending judgment that's coming. But because we know that it's not coming because of what Christ has done for us. We get to respond to the call to repentance because of what Christ has done for us. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then Sean is going to come and, and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you... You don't give up on us. But that you keep calling us back. <coughs> and that because of who your son is and what he's done for us, that there's no one beyond your reach. That we, we can't be good enough to earn your grace or, or bad enough that we can't be redeemed by it. But that Jesus, because you came and you, you obeyed in our place, you, you succeeded where we fail. And Father, you count his life for us.
we pray that you would use the reality of that good news to, to bring us back, to draw us back to you when, when we want to run away, when we look for help in all the wrong places. We pray that as we continue in worship together today and as we, as we fellowship together after service, that you would send your spirit to, to draw us closer to you and closer to one another. That we would remind each other of the grace that we've been shown. That we would know that, that, that we're okay in you. So it's okay to not be okay with one another. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen.